On today's episode of The Glue Guys, the Nets with Kevin Kevin Durant. Ever heard of him? Won a basketball game against a good team. He did. We're going to talk about that. Here's my hot take. I'm going to put in the, the preview of Ooh, the episode. Preview take. Kevin Durant's better at basketball than James Harden, and I'll tell you why coming up. Fire and fuego. to the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello check us out on twitter at bk glue guys nets daily.com the athletic get yourself by the paywall the athletic.com slash glue guys of subsidiary of the new york times brian michael this is michael babaro <laughs> who and this is the daily oh you ever listen to the daily it's a podcast I, from the new york times our, our sister station I, do. I listen to that all the time um, company for the strength of the company. Ryan, Michael, you watched the game, dude. The Nets won a basketball game, we and it was did. exciting and it was fun. And we are going to talk about vaccines, but later in the show, let's talk about basketball. Hey, man, that was a great game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, man, we're getting <laughs> that was good. we're getting in. Hey, let's actually not bury the lead because the real story. I mean, it's, well, it's basketball. It's also that Kevin Durant loves us, loves you. He loves me. He loves us all individually, and it feels good. Uh, to be giving to be taken into his loving arms, you know. I it is it is uh, he is as if he as if he wasn't already goaded, which he's certainly goaded. Um, th- this is the most a Nets player has ever. I this is the the most robustly they've ever like outwardly loved us. They just it's never happened before. We've been dealing with with surly mfers like Darren Williams, you know, who we were always in a. I'm doing this gesture, you, you know, like this. It's like a it's. A hither, it's a hither, but also a hand up. It's like you know, come to me. Is that a common gesture in also, Northern Jersey? It's my new. It's a. It's a family gesture. That's a family gesture. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's. I love you, but I don't want to embrace you. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and and we've, we've had hug. we've <laughs> we've had a lot of that uh, over the years, Mike. But this one feels. I mean, we can just get into the quote. I mean, do we want to do want to talk about the quote? Yeah, and yeah. and I think. And, and you're leading on us down a great path because I think the title of this episode should be Kevin Durant loves us. He really loves us. Yeah. Um, this is what Kevin Durant said before the Jazz game, and it really, man, did it it it, it lights something inside of me that hasn't been lit oh in a while. <laughs> Some it something was lit up in here <laughs> oh in this pod. This is what he said. If you're looking at a, the question, essentially leading to this was like, "Hey, Kevin, are you worried that Ben Simmons doesn't have a back?" the backless Ben Simmons, that Kyrie is unvaccinated and may never play at home ever again in the history of the world. It feels like we're, they're, you're kind of getting wasted. You are Kevin Durant. This is an MVP level season. If you did not have that injury that you had, are, are you worried that your window is closing? This is what Kevin Durant had to say. If you're looking at us as if like this is our only chance to ever do something special with this group and other people at it that way, looking at it that way, then I can see why. But to be honest, I signed here for five years. You know what I'm saying? Look, I'd obviously, this year is important. But no matter what happens this year, I still want to do it again and again. I want to continue to play, have this group together as long as we can, which, by the way, I add parenthetically, that's a, hey, let's sign Kyrie Irving to a max contract for five years. 
so short term, we can focus on that for sure. But we're also looking at the big picture things too, building something sustainable. I feel like I'm mentally and physically in a solid place to contribute to this organization long term, reach new heights. Um, it's going to be rocky at first when you try something new, but I'm excited to see what the future holds. So this quote was taken a couple of different ways. Some people were like, oh, is he giving up on the season? No, I think he's just having a very clear moment of this is a long-term thing. Yeah, maybe I'm 33 years old. And sure, how many more of these seasons am I going to have? But this is a long – there's no rush in this season. The things look kind of bleak now. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for – he didn't say this directly – Ben Simmons to be a part of this team and not have – a back issue for Joe Harris to be reintegrated into this team for the growth of Cam Thomas, Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Mike Marcus Zigarowski. He didn't shout out Marcus Zigarowski, but I will hear on this very pod uh, that Kyrie Irving maybe will be allowed to play at home at some point in the future, though we'll never know that for sure. More on that coming up later in the episode. But this was, I said this on Twitter, like, you know, I love this quote. This was important to hear as a Nets fan, is that, hey, yeah, sure, we care about this season. The season matters. But, you know, so many times with these superstars, you know, LeBron for years and years would only sign one plus one contracts because he wanted to put the pressure on Cleveland to spend every year to the maximum that they could. And it also kind of, he kind of kept the franchise at arm's length so that at any moment when he wanted to bolt, he basically just had to play out a season and then he could go where he'd obviously eventually go with the Lakers. Kevin Durant did something very unique here. He signed a five-year deal. Can you imagine what this season would be like? The hell that this would be like if he had signed, one, if he had not signed an extension at all. If he was eligible to be a free agent, how many stories we would be having constantly about Kevin Durant is looking at the Knicks, Kevin Durant is looking at Team X, Team Y, maybe even Team Z. No, he made a commitment and he came out and said specifically, I signed here five years to play. I'm here to put down roots. This is my franchise and it is Kevin Durant's franchise. And he loves us. Brian, wow. he loves us. Wow. He loves. We're just a fan base staring at a superstar saying, will you love me? Mm. Right? That's from Notting Hill. Isn't that Julie Roberts? To, Sounds like you know. This Sounds like you got a Des Lombardo. That. Can we get a <laughs> yeah. Des is our by the way, if anyone's seen Big Shadow Lombardo. Yeah. It's he's our chief content officer, uh video Director of guy. digital content is what I would say. Director of digital content, yeah. the the DDC, if you will. And um he, can we get a Notting Hill splice in here where it's like the Nets fan base is Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant is Kevin Durant? And that's what we have here. That's the dynamic that we have. Right now, uh, Mike Brian. Can how I do you feel? can I also say so? Nets fans, as you correctly say, needed to hear this, but also Kevin Durant needed to say this, okay? Because Kevin Durant's brand over the years has been through the ringer a bit. So you know how I've often vied for um, the position of Kyrie's PR person. Yes. Whoever's doing Kevin's PR, you're, he's keeping his job. They that person is <laughs> is doing is doing well for himself because with all the talk of cupcakes and snakes and ring chasing over the years, um, I think that he's done a lot for the Kevin Durant brand. And just saying this one thing, just so simply, you know, just being anything in the superstar player empowerment era of 
where, where people talk about longevity and allegiance to a franchise, it's amazing how much, how far that goes for people. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's a really good way to sow a whole lot of goodwill really quickly. Um, a good way sow to- some oats. Yeah. Sow those oats. <laughs> sow those wild oats. A, a good way to undo that is also to, you know, how Kyrie kind of did that with Boston and then- and that, that's why they feel a little bit scorned. That's not, we're not here to talk about that though, but that is well, the, and, yeah. And there's constantly discussion. Like I saw, uh, I think it's Nick Friedel or Friedel who covers, who now seems to cover the nets for ESPN on some level exclusively. Mm-hmm. And he tweeted out how surprised he is at the Nets that the, the sort of like crowd at Barclays is so quiet that there are a group of really passionate Nets fans that you can hear. They're small. And then there's some away team fans that you can hear. But then there's just a lot of people who seem to show up and are there for the event. And so we we can feel that, right? Like it, it is a different arena experience than the Garden. I will yeah, say as, as an addendum, it gets good in the playoffs. You know, there I will say that the playoff crowd is actually legitimately like it's up there. I'm not say it's top five or whatever, but it's good. It's super. It's, it's super. Good. It's top 16 in the playoffs. It's top 16. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. So in in. And I understand that. Like, I'm not here to bash Nick because he. I think he's covered the Bulls, and he's definitely like. I this is no like he is in the arena, and it's a different vibe. And it, I actually, I also agree, it's quieter than I would like, uh, particularly. But the problem is, and you've talked about this a lot, it's hard to build this fan base and the love for this team if guys are injured, guys aren't playing at home, guys quit on the team like James Harden. It's hard to get attached as a fan base to this team. This is. Is this year three of Kevin Durant, technically? He had a fully injured year, and then he played last year, but he was also in and out of the lineup last year. And we had the you know the COVID policy situations where fans couldn't really be in the stands. And this is like the first full year where we get Kevin Durant, and even then he goes away sort of at a crucial part in the schedule for a long time. And so this fan base hasn't had the time to embrace Durant as if, you know, what's great about the playoffs is that's where really memories are made as fan bases. No one really builds memories from the regular season. Very rarely does that happen. No, it's going to a series, seeing, uh, you know, the opposing team three or four times in your arena, really intense games. Like the connection that I have to the Dinwiddie Lavert nets going against the 76ers in what 2019, like I, I have a greater connection to those teams because of that playoff run than this current Nets roster. And can I add to that, though? Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but like you tweeted out about how if uh, Kevin Durant wins a championship with this year's team, that he deserves his own section in the Hall of Fame. A heavily, heavily Great passed tweet. around. Great huge, tweet. A banger. Absolute banger. And uh, there's, there's truth to it, which is, in some ways, you know, despite all of the drama of this, I am kind of grateful that we still get to kind of have the best of both worlds, both a superstar team with like an underdog kind of butthurtness about it that, you know, our own butthurt. They're not butthurt. We're butthurt. That, well, you know, Bruce Brown's pretty butthurt all the time. Um, That's why we love him. Friend of the show. But, but, uh, it, it, it like but, looking uh, back at this, at the season, it's, it's easy to get really frustrated. It's easy to want to coast to a Harden led championship, um, where you just fall out of bed in the, you know, the mercenary stars get what they wanted, what they came for and whatever, you know, sign it sealed and it's done. But um, what we've gone through and said, was just like a really, you know, a hero's journey with I, honestly, sure. Kevin Durant is, is sort of at the, at the helm here. He has cemented himself not only at, at, as the, at the forefront, the protagonist of the story, 
he's the he's taking ownership and agency over this entire team by saying what he's saying. He's like he's like this is a narrative arc that's five years in the making here, and yes, this is a low point ostensibly for us right now. Um, and I'll tell you what, and side side note to that, what a good friend for Kevin Durant. I mean, honestly, good good. <laughs> Kyrie needs to like, that's your best buddy, dude. That is your best friend because he has the amount of patience he has for you to be punting basically on a season for on his behalf in the heart of his of his prime. Yes, he's he's being super patient about it and that's admirable, but also like he's playing pretty angry and he's calling people small all the time and he's pissed. <laughs> He's, he's, ball, he's, playing, actually he's, he's playing out of his mind and he's taunting people and he seems pretty like he's he's channeling that anger towards output on the court, which is, you know, the best the best possible thing you can do, I guess, in his situation. Um, anyways, that's just an addendum to that. But otherwise, he's yeah, he's taking point. he's taking a whole lot of the leadership role that people kind of uh, dogged him for, especially in Golden State, but in, in the transfer from his teams. Um, that he was not, he was just a, a, a hanger on a fourth wheel to, uh, an otherwise sort of legacy championship team. I mean, nobody's, but that's, the, that's the worst you could, you need a fourth wheel, a fourth wheel, Four, fourth wheel is important. Like <laughs> not, the not, third wheel is the thing that's not on my tricycle, Mike. not on my tricycle. Um, <laughs> but anyways, he, uh, so he's done a lot of good in, in just one night and we can, we can go on and on about it, but I mean, like it, it's really just useful and helpful to, to put it into perspective and also it's i can sense the frustration and you know the immediate he's sacrificing the short term it's no doubt about it he is doing that he is sacrificing short-term gains to be patient for other people which brings me to basically he's the burt cooper of this team like you'll note in the, in the last season of Mad Men when burt cooper is talking to roger sterling about leadership just before burt cooper passes during the, the lunar landing and he's like you know roger sterling you know you're you're a capable guy. You're great at your job, but you're not a leader. And and then he's like, to and Roger says to to Bertie, he's like, yeah, but what about like Jim Cutler? You're going against Jim Cutler, and he's like, he's not on my team. That's the difference. You know, I'm I can, you only have to respect people on your team. And and Ky, uh, Kevin Durant has really like rolled out the red carpet for Kyrie to feel all of his feelings and take his time. And that's like a massive. Uh, that's a big ass favor for, for him to do. And that's because he's, he's like a real leader. It's a real, it's an incredible sacrifice and shows real true leadership qualities. Mike, I, I can't say enough good about it. Anyways, I should shut up. No, let's do this quick break. Coming back. I'm going to tell you why Kevin Durant's better than James Harden. Discovered the latest collections from David Yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back, Brian. Key thing happened last night. So last night, the Nets who weren't playing we're a very impressive roster. Kyrie unvaccinated. Andre Drummond not in COVID illness. Thank you for the classification. We needed the classification. It's important. Seth Curry gets hurt in the game. Ankle injury. 
We're still waiting on a bigger update. I cannot, I cannot stand to hear Steve Nash talk about injuries anymore. Nothing against Steve Nash. I just, I think Steve was saying something like, uh, he didn't act too sad. Seth Curry wasn't too sad. I can't. Steve, you're better off hearing nothing at all. You just go, go like yeah. put your ear up to a notch in a tree and listen to it that, and you'll get more accurate information <laughs> about someone's injury status. Uh, Joe Harris was out. LaMarcus Aldridge was out. You know, it's a great, it's a great number of people who are out in this game. Um, so it was Kevin Durant mostly with Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, Goran Dragic, Blake Griffin makes a comeback. Patty Mills, Cam Thomas, Gus Roberts, and James Johnson. That is the crew essentially that James Harden had while he was with the Nets and then when Kyrie was out for his unvaccinatedness, right? And I, I just want to, I want everyone to remember what that was like. Those games were disgusting. They were horrible to watch. The basketball was bad and they were losing, right? Bruce Brown was not a factor in those games. Nick Claxton was unsure of where he should be on the floor while trying to appease James Harden. And I mean, Patty Mills is off and on. So, right. But, you know, Patty Mills was really struggling to, to kind of keep up with, with James Harden in those situations. Kevin Durant subs in for James Harden in that exact same type of lineup. And what do we see? Bruce Brown has become, I don't even know who to compare. He's like a 1980 shooting guard where the three point doesn't matter, but he does everything else. Not a great ball handler, but like he's physical. He's in the right spots. He understands that, like, this is the moment I need to put up that floater or get to the bucket, or there's other times I just need to kind of get myself out of the play completely. He has been so damn impressive. Kevin Durant and the the supporting cast that James Harden also had went and beat a fully activated Utah Jazz team. Yeah, the Jazz were on a back-to-back, right? I think they had played Sunday against the Knicks, and then they play now Monday. Or they had played Monday against the Nets. That's the definition of a back-to-back. Um Still, though, the Jazz were uh, have been a better team all year. They're way more talented. They had Mitchell Connolly, Gobert, Rudy Gobert. God, uh, Rudy Gobert's looking shaky. Um, and Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant-led team. Kevin Durant puts up 37, 8 assists, 9 rebounds, and t- 15 for 23 from the field. Doesn't even get to the free throw line all that much. Only th- th- three free throws. But everyone else... There's just a different vibe with this team post-trade deadline, post-Harden trade. There's guys like Bruce Brown who have elevated. I love the addition of Goran Dragic, even if his shooting is off for the most part. I just like what he brings to the team. He he is like a real point guard that this team can rely upon. Um, you have this performance from Blake Griffin where, he, again, he comes out of nowhere. goes nine points, three assists, four rebounds like the classic new age Blake game. Kevin Durant is better than James Harden. Kevin Durant is a better player. He is more impactful. You talk about how Harden is this sort of the conduit, the amplifier of negative and positive energy. Durant is a, is a a lifter. He, he, he provides a lift. He provides a, a certain chip on the shoulder mentality that Harden just doesn't do. Harden doesn't uplift people. You know, that's not who he is. He's a singular assassin who, yeah, well, he'll he's a great assist man, but those assists are a byproduct of his, you know, ability to get wherever he wants to on the floor. Where Durant isn't necessarily an assist guy, but he brings a mentality of like, we're not losing. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna scrap and claw and do whatever we can to win this game. I 
you talk, we talked about it in the beginning. Kevin Durant loves us. He really loves us. This this is like one of those games where I talk about how regular season doesn't really build memories, but it was a data point to know. Oh yeah, Kevin Durant's really good at basketball. I got a data point uh, for you. You ready for an actual data point? So yeah, shout out me. to Brooklyn Nets cast who who actually put this data point together. But um, sure. of of players, three players who played fifty uh, minutes together or more. Uh, this is the three players in the league with the best defensive rating while on the court together. It's Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, and Nick Claxton. Um, and, and the eye test is, is really starting to pop Claxton. We, we often, uh, just because of how weird and funky his season's been, like he gets kind of buried in our conversation about him and he's, he's sort of a plug and play guy at the moment, but, um, the optics of him playing defense have, have started to come back, uh, to the surface. He looks quite good. Um, and I think to Ooh, your and point, he, like, he blocked Rudy Gobert, stuffed, quite, stuffed it in his face, and then pushed his, it back out of the, in the onto the court so the Nets could get the ball, like a plate of escargot. Mike, did he did he stuff that? Anyways, um, I don't think you do you, you stuff, stuff the yeah, you take it all and you stuff it in your mouth, um, shell and all. Uh, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> which is bakery in French, beautiful. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, Kevin Durant, to your point, beyond just like being just t- picking up the slack in terms of playmaking, which he's definitely uh, like visibly done since Harden's departure, uh, appears to just be like really. I got into fighting somebody in the Twitter comments or no YouTube comments a while back about how I was, you know, I've I said that Kevin Durant was elite at some things on defense. I stand by that, and I think he's just broadly a good defender now, like straight up, like a legitimately good defender. Yeah. And anyone who's who says ototherwise I think is just a casual and a dork Mike I'm, I'm saying it now <laughs> okay come at me I so we talked about this when Lamarcus Aldridge's hip injury began and it was the conversation was like I don't want Lamarcus to be out for a longer time and he continues to be out and we like we're like hey this is concerning he had hip injuries in the past it's concerning but the possible ray of sunshine and don't steal my sunshine it's one of my favorite songs. Mm. Is no, that's not it was. Jeez, that's scary. Who, that's that song? really scary. Um, that's terrifying. Sorry, um, Baba Duke. Uh, <laughs> Nick Claxton. I I was excited to see what Nick Claxton getting more minutes, consistent minutes would look like, particularly with like Andre Drummond starting and then Claxton being the second big. If Lamarcus Aldridge is playing. And Drummond's playing. Nick Claxton's like kind of lost in the rotation. There's just not much to do with Nick Claxton if Drummond's going to get 25 to 30 minutes and LaMarcus Aldridge is like, like he, because he deserved, because he was one of the best offensive players on this team, you know, he was getting his 15 to 23 minutes a game. Because in, Aldridge has been out and Drummond was obviously out this game, like Claxton just brings the thing to this team that no other big brings. It's the switchability. Very flexible defender. Yeah, he's not perfect on offense, but like even at the end of the game, there was this great camera shot from from Yes Network where KD has like three defenders on him. He's driving to the hoop, and Claxton's pointing up to say, "Throw me an alley oop," and KD throws it up in the air. And Claxton, like the confidence of that from Claxton now has shifted. I, you know, it's so you it's so hard to bank on anything with Nick Claxton because like he'll probably get a sinus infection in two weeks. That'll take him out until December. So we have no sense of of reliability. But there's a level of confidence that it's growing. 
And this was, and, oh, sorry, good. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you go. Well, I mean, and this is part of like playing with younger players too, who are like energy guys, is like learning their idiosyncrasies just through duration of actually playing together is super important. Cause like the thing about Claxon is that if you, if, if you want to pass it to him while his feet are on the ground, you should send him a piece of certified mail like a week in advance because he's, his hands are not going to be, <laughs> his hands are not going to be ready for it. And he's going to, an old man joke. He's going to drop a U.S. postal service <laughs> please, joke. Please. Please. What do you give him a Pody Express? Prepare his P.O. box for a piece of mail that says that. You're telegraphing that pass because he's going to drop it otherwise. Uh, meanwhile, if he's in the air and jumping and alley-ooping for it, he catches it every time. So, you know, just working around and um, Bruce Brown similarly has a bunch of like weird little picadillos to his game. And because they're like interesting utility players, they're not like, you know, complete well-rounded Yes. You know, superstar guys who <laughs> Kevin Durant would otherwise be playing with. So we're trying to make it work. And that just happens through exposure over time. Um, and we're getting there, Mike. We're getting somewhere. And that kind of goes back to my J- James Harden needs like a specific type of player around him. Not to make this a James Harden podcast, but he needs the shooters and then the pick and roll big. Where Durant is just on just this elevated plane of basketball. <laughs> Durant could do whatever he wants to do. No matter who's on the floor with him, as long as he has at least someone who can help him break the double team and, and make the other team pay for that, right? And and so you could have a Claxton who can only do like two things on the offensive side of the floor. You could have Bruce Brown who plays unlike pretty much any guard in the NBA at this point. Um, Drogic, who's who, who still has yet to find his shot, and obviously Curry was out for the game, but Curry's can play with anyone too. It's just Durant's like. His just singular greatness and his flexibility on to be able to play with uh, Zach Lowe has said this many times. There's almost no NBA superstar who has been as flexible at playing in any sort of system with any group of players than Kevin Durant. And he succeeded with Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Serge Ibaka. He succeeded with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And he won a game with Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, and <laughs> Blake Griffin. You yeah. know, like. He he is just so electric um, and so special, mm. and he nice. loves us, Brian. He really loves us. Um, before we go, like, do you, but well, we're going to do a vaccine conversation in a second. But thank God, thank God, uh, finally. Bruce, like, what should we feel about Bruce Brown? Like, we, dude, his his ascendance. This is who he is. <laughs> um, it's it's timely, you know, contractual wise. The guy's just just gunning for that next contract, um, like a boss. Uh, no, just kidding. I mean, I think like, well, no, I wanted to. Know, add, I mean. Yeah. You know, people still like wonder, like, hey, I think Nick. So, like, during the season, the scale of like, is Nick Claxton going to be back with this team? Because we at one point thought, okay, he's going to get like a ten million dollar contract, and then Bruce Brown. It seemed like Bruce Brown may not, like, he may not be ever a starter ever again in the NBA um, when he earlier in the season. Now it feels like like Bruce Brown is like his value is just building and building and building, so he may not be back next year. Where yeah. Claxton is like, I think Claxton's going to be back because his contract's not going to be ridiculous. But I don't even know. It's hard to figure it out. Yeah, it's a tough one. I also feel like there's certain players, you know, I felt like the the opposite way about this for Jared Allen. Like, I felt Jared Allen was obviously, it's, I think we said specifically that he was going to have like 17 points per game. I, I feel like if I went through, if we did a like AI voice transcription of our podcast, that that exact number was was said at some point. Um, yes. <clears throat> but for, <clears throat> for a lot It'll of reasons. It'll never be a 20-point score. And people were like. Well, if you say he's 17, why can't he be 20? And we're like, well, you just can't. Because that's how it is. That's how it's going to be. Um, and and the reason that he wasn't like able to get over like the 13 to 14 point hump with the Nets was because, um, 
you know, there there was just a block, a blockage there. There wasn't the role for him to to take that amount of space up. Uh, I feel counterwise to like Bruce Brown fitting on another team, I think is going to be tough. And so I give, I give us the inside road just because like Bruce Brown is, I think very self-aware. Uh, he, of course, like anybody else, like thinks, you know, very highly of himself and I'm sure has a lot of self-confidence, but I think his specific skill set is very, very niche, like niche. Do you niche or niche? I've been struggling with this lately. Niche? Uh, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. You go Nietzsche. Uh, it's very Nietzsche and it's very Gucci as well. And <laughs> Sorry, that was dumb. And <laughs> I distracted myself. I, I liked it. I, I was like, "Hey, way to go!" Brian. Distracted myself with how stupid that was. Um, anyways, I think it's you over there. I, th- I think it's gonna be hard. By have the you way, seen the Push of Tea? I didn't. Somebody's commercial. Somebody's sent me. I haven't yet to watch it. It sounds good. And then it got the talked about. Hardest fast food commercial of all. Arby's time. has a fish sandwich. Apparently, that I didn't. I didn't know about. Um, it led to a whole conversation. Anyways, uh, yeah. Bruce Brown might. <laughs> we think. I think we still have the inside track on him because I think he knows that. If he goes to a different team where he's going to have like more of a role, that could be perilous for him. That's maybe not the great situation. I mean, obviously, take the take the bag while you can for sure. But yeah. I think if I'm playing longevity versus um, not fumbling the bag, uh, I I think like I think his fit on the Nets is it's fairly unique, and uh, him playing alongside star players is pretty important for for what he needs to do. Um, Nick Claxton. To a lesser extent, but almost similar. And also, like, I think Claxton is um, still, like, data-wise sort of all over the place in terms of just can he play. Um, yeah. yeah. And and so Bruce Brown is, like, I agree. But I think, like, he's at that point in his career, like, he's got to get a bag. If he can get any bag, you just give – he feels like it could be a Memphis Grizzly and, you know, he just, like, would fit you, in on that. I would like to uh, see team. what the actual, like, um, distribution of, of like mo- – like, size contracts are because you would think that it's like a bell-shaped curve in terms of like most people get like a you know in between the minimum and the superstar but it feels like it's almost the opposite like very few people are in the median range or whatever and the vast majority fall to either side of it so it's it's he's in an interesting spot to be i do want to see that that would be a fun graph somebody somebody hook that up who's out there would be a lot right it's a lot of minimums and then it's like at the exception marks like mid-level taxpayer like it's Mm -hmm. all like there would be like tiny spikes. Wherever the CBA is like allocated. There'd be very few people that aren't some, yeah. are those. Um, and then there would be the max contract dudes. Like the, so, that's yeah, why like the – like we always talk about like the Marcus Smart contract being like the most tradable because it's – I think it's 11 million a year or something like that, which is super rare. It's just like a really weird rare for a guard on a like you know three-year – it's mostly what they give like – it's the Nerland's Noel contract that nobody should be giving anybody uh, at, at that position, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but at the guard position, it's very coveted. Well, and not to go too deep into like what's the offseason going to be. The one big key I'll say is that the um, hardened trade saved the Nets a ton of money because it saved money off the luxury tax this year and going into the future. Because Ben Simmons's dollar figure is going to be continually significantly smaller. I think he's like at $35 million a year, while Harden will start at like if he signs an extension on that $48 million. And the Nets already in their minds had been building out the possibility that they're going to be paying KD the max, which they are, Kyrie the max, which they may, and Harden the max, which they would have. And now they much lower figure. So like that's a $13 million difference between Simmons and Harden, which extrapolate that out from the luxury tax. That's like a $50, $60 million outlay difference. So in that gap, then that changes like, okay, the Nets should, and Josiah should be like, well, we should hang on to 
Nick Claxton at five million a year for a two year, like a quick two year deal. We can hang on to Bruce Brown for a you know three year, twenty one million dollar, like not per year, but totality, so seven million. You know, like so it opens up the flexibility. So where that hardened trade becomes okay, we get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, whose number is like eight million. It's a great contract. Drummond, who you know, hopefully he'll be back next year on a minimum. That'd be amazing. Plus, the Nets can now keep some of their players as opposed to say. Like what they had to do with Spencer, didn't and that so, gives us like one of the more value. unique offense defense like schisms of any of any team out there. Like, like think of the lineup, and and then use Kevin Durant as a linchpin to kind of bridge the gap between both of those things. A lineup where Ben Simmons and Claxton and Bruce Brown play with with Kevin Durant versus one where <laughs> where you know Kyrie, insert Kyrie instead, and you know hopefully he's. Hopefully that situation gets figured out. That's the big question mark. I mean, as ever, also Ben Simmons. Back. A lot of question marks. Let's not get That's like it. 12. That's a 12-episode podcast series of is Kyrie like worth the back? Speaking or, of which, we're at the 32-minute mark. Do you want to quickly well, get your thing. vaccination? Yeah, yeah one thing. Yeah. Okay, so multiple uh, data points have happened today regarding the vaccine. I'll do, I'll do this as briskly as I possibly can. The floor is yours, Mike. Take your time. I will start with the Boomer Esiason data point. Boomer Esiason, of course, is the sounds- morning show host. On Boomer and Geo on WFAN. Yeah. Shout out Keith McPherson. Hey, shout um, out. Big shout out. Bo- uh, Boomer, I don't know if this was on the actual show or if this was like a cut in between the commercials or something happening. But Boomer had a prediction via, it seemed like some sourcing, that the city's vaccine mandate for private employer, he related it to Kyrie, was going to end on Thursday which would be in two days, or we'll get more information on Thursday. Okay, so this is what Boomer had to say on the show. Brian, let me know if you can hear this. How about if I told you you would get uh, Kyrie Irving back to play home games? Great. That may happen by the end of the week. I hope it does. Oh, really? We got inside info here? It could. Huh. What do you mean? Where'd you get that from? Thanks, Al. That mean the Yankees are putting pressure and the Mets are putting pressure on the city? Maybe. Who knows? Possibly. The whole thing may get lifted by Thursday. By Thursday? We'll see. We'll see. Boomstradamus moment here or what? Thank you, Al. That could be very exciting news. It could be very exciting. It could be. Thank you, Al. We shall see. Oh, we know Boomer's connected to the city politics. Right. He's got a lot of friends there in the city council that are like-minded. A lot of friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So that's that's from uh, WFAN, courtesy of WFAN. All copyrighted by WFN, Trademark. I guess. Trademark. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Trademark. Yeah. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Um, now, so the headline is Boomer Esiason says vaccine mandate will end uh, on Thursday. Hearing that, Brian, what did you think when you heard it? Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I was checking my phone while that was playing. I thought okay, this was, okay, I thought this was your segment. Hey, this is a podcast, Brian. <laughs> no, okay. So what I thought was like, while it seemed like he was hinting that someone was telling him, someone who knows was telling him this thing is ending on Thursday, it was pretty casual, mm. uh, that conversation. They were getting coffee. Like, people, someone was bringing in coffee at the time. Yeah. Not that that's a real thing that matters. But, like, so it was a little bit more casual. And here's what I'll say to that, okay? Guys like Boomer Siason do know uh, people very high up on the ladder of corporations, could be politicians. Like people love to talk to Boomer Esiason and tell them things that maybe they know or act like they know more than that they know. Like Boomer is a big deal. So that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of sports talk radio hosts know a great deal about what's going on, but they don't report it because it's just not like that's not what 
we do in the biz. You know, you and I are on equal. Can, yes. can I also say that we're not a big deal and people do that shit with us like all the time too. Yeah, <laughs> people yeah. come out of the woodwork and be like, you should see our DMs. It's, <laughs> Here's a scoop, yeah. brother. And I appreciate everyone who DMs and yeah. Mike follows through. Tells the truth. Follows up on that. So, I, so send them over. There's been a thread yeah. I've been following up on that is that has um, I've pulled in a lot of different directions and I haven't really got there yet. So here's the other thing I'll say though. Today, today, this morning, Mayor Eric Adams had a press conference at City Hall announcing that as long as the data says stays good, stays good, um, my words, not his, that in a short period of time, masks will be allowed to be taken off in schools for kids in like preschool and kindergarten and stuff like that. It'll be optional. And so we had this big press conference. The, the, the city health commissioner was there. Some city council members were there. He was there announcing this thing of, hey, another rollback, another layer peeled of COVID. And of course, people are going to ask, and they did, what about the private employer mandate? Someone literally asked, are the Yankees and Mets giving you pressure to make an exception or blah, blah, blah? And he was, he said, we will continue to look at peeling back layers. He, he gave no specifics on what data points to support that layer peel. But we will continue to look at pulling back layers. But I am not worried about Yankees, Mets. I don't have any pressure. I don't feel any pressure from them. I'm not worried about basketball. I'm not worried about baseball. And he said, this is the thing, corporations actually really like my mandate because it gives their workers a sense of comfort knowing that if I'm in this office, everyone's vaccinated. They have to be. And blah, blah, blah. So while Boomer may have heard something very, I'm not doubting his the veracity of his reporting. Um, it would be very unusual that the mayor would have a press conference on a Tuesday announcing this big thing about COVID. And then two days later, there would be a, a another announcement of some kind or an acquiescence of some kind that would be this big that the private employer mandate would be altered or totally taken away, right? Like just think about the communications angle of that. If you're going to do that thing on Thursday, just do it on Tuesday with the masks, get it all done with, hey, big thing, New York City's back, no more masks, vaccines, forget them, we don't care, Kyrie can play basketball, the Yankees can be there for open, Aaron Judge can be hitting home runs on opening day against the Red Sox. Instead, we're led to believe that there's, we had a press conference on Tuesday, and that on Thursday, something's going to change. Hey. You know how I, Brian and I, you, we, you know how we feel. We love vaccines. We love them. Oh my I God. I'm taking one right now. I, I, would, right I would love right after an the intravenous bottom. tube of vaccine. <laughs> Just give it to me. But I also believe that it's bad policy to sort of continually force people to get, you know, a vaccine after we've had enough time with this and it just, it's like, you're just kind of fighting New, this hey, losing New battle. New York City or, is 90% vaccinated, Mike. I just saw. So they say. If you, so, if you I believe mean, the man. So- you know, Kyrie should get vaccinated. There's an easy thing. There's all these like, hey, the Nets should play in Newark. That's so. It's so. It's not happening. The league would have to vote on the move. Um, I think Nets net income said it himself. The people who now own the Prudential Center own the 76ers. They're not going to be like, oh sure, use our arena, and so Kyrie Irving can play bat. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, 
I would I would so, operate going forward just operationally in your own in everyone's minds and hearts as if that mandate for the employer specifically it's never going away. Just 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 start from there. I have you know that's that that may or may not be true, but just <laughs> proceed thusly. That's how I honestly think people need to start proceeding because it pulls really well at the employer level. And and that's a, I watched this whole press conference today hoping and praying there'd be some nugget that I could pass along. The mayor was asked about the Kyrie Irving situation and the Yankees Mets situation. And he was like, I feel no pressure. More layers will be peeled back, but he gave no specifics on what it would take for those layers to be peeled back. So the best thing that you could hope for, I think with the Brian philosophy of thinking of like, nothing's going to change is probably the safest. If you're like me, who are, who is, who's constantly, Picking up threads and pulling on threads to see if I can figure out. You something. love an ordinance. You love a municipality, and you love an ordinance. God, I These love are- it. I love a solid ordinance. Um, is that around opening day feels like a time period when something would change, and the way the mayor has announced these things is he he makes a big announcement saying, "In a week, the thing is going to change. We're going to look at the data. Here's the announcement." This thing is going to change, but in a week, because we're going to look at the data. Opening day is April 7th. So if you think, okay, maybe around opening day, look for that la- next week, end of next week, to be like, hey, he would want to celebrate, hey, we're going to have all the players on opening day. On March 31st or whatever day that falls on, he will announce blah, 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 you know, Kyrie Irving, Aaron Judge, and all those guys can probably play as long as they test negative and do all that stuff. And But we're going to take a week to look at the data. And then by the time opening day rolls around, April 7th, then then it will be lifted. I'm not even predicting that. I'm just saying that's how it would probably happen. True. Um, but we'll see. Cool. Mike, you did a great job with that. That was concise to the point. <sighs> and it's a, big, it's a big passion of yours. And so you got to make space for it. I understand. And I love your mentality of like, hey, it doesn't matter. It's not, <laughs> Just give it the flu, man. I'm, I'm, I'm um, obnoxious that way. But Mike, take us out of here. What's the social? Hey, five stars. We want and we need them. We got a couple last time. I so enjoy them. They're so fun. And they do a lot of good for the show. Can I do real quick? Let me just read one. Um, sure. Just to give a shout out. Like, I don't even know if I can read them on, uh, on Apple Pod. You have to use the iTunes. I'm going to open iTunes. Um. <clears throat> Don't, don't what was crash your first your iPod that you had? Like what model? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Do you remember? I know it could. Uh, was it the one with like the picture screen or no, the, just the pinwheel? It was I, It was definitely later, a later model. I was not a, an early adopter for the iPod. I was, I was a big CD guy. I had a big CD collection and I was not ready to get, to get rid of them. Um, but then, but then it just became obvious. Remember when you had to manually import your CDs into your iTunes? That was, that oh was and then like if somebody deleted your iTunes or something like that, it was a that's like a, a huge offense, a multiple day uploading experience, and and some and some tracks are just gonna be lost. You know those old Kazaa links, uh, they might not be there anymore. So if you want to listen to Breathe by Prodigy, you know you might be you <laughs> might be out of luck, dog. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite band growing up? Just tell me that. It's hard. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many. I could tell you. Um, I don't know. I had, a, you know, I liked, liked, they liked all kinds of. Something 41. So, <laughs> no, no. I don't know what age, <laughs> what age we're looking at. What's growing up? Like we're, 
Are you um, pulling up this, this review, or should we just... Yeah, and I'm trying to... Brian, I'm, this is a little <laughs> trick of the pie. I'm trying to I stall, did, because this I is like taking I did listen to Prodigy's forever. Fat of the Land a lot. I will say that, weirdly. That was... that was Anyone thing that got, like, basically just stuck in my car as a CD was, was going to get a lot of play. So high school would have been, like, the most... Um, the most heavy listening to the same thing over and over again. Um, that would have um, been there. Yeah, I mean, I... I just found like an old CD case at my parents' house that I had, and the, the CDs that are in there are just so goddamn embarrassing, dude. Um, little Coheed and Cambria like, in there, you know. Throw that out there. Let's get let's get I, crazy. I have Weezer Green Album or whatever. Weezer the Blue Album. Three, the Blue Album was the the real one. The green Album sucked. I hate to say it. I have three eleven, three eleven. Big Hell yeah. fan. Hell yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. That's a good, that's a like, better, you're in a better age range. Cause that's actually like more, cause at that, like in sixth, sixth to eighth grade, we were making mixes, you know, it was like, can you make me a mix? Start with a little Papa Roach, you know, graduate, from, Papa Roach. <laughs> graduate from there, you know, cause you want to start out Sitta <laughs> by Harvey Dangerfield or whatever that guy was. <laughs> I thought like, that song was like, it was on some trailer for like faculty, the movie faculty, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, that bumps. That, that was my first that bumps yeah. i said that i was like that's lit i invented it was lit, lit okay here, yeah here's please. a review from zane nathani three if you're looking for your first nets podcast you found it if you somehow already listened to others well where the heck have you been listen now what wow. a great that's a great that's a five star uh, another one <laughs> from samsonite way off i listen to a lot of podcasts this is my favorite one Great Nets discussion by two incredibly funny human beings. Jeez. This show is a jam. This suddenly feels self-aggrandizing in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. But, I'm, you know, we got to do- <laughs> I think you wrote this. This is from Dr. Poopish. His name. You'll never know. Not gonna- You'll never Always know. fun catching up with these fellas no matter what they're doing on the court. Real fans, real talk, real fun. Nice. Well, thank you for the five stars. Guys, we do want them. We need them. We have to have them. Um, from my wife, <laughs> Mike. one of the co-hosts looks like John Mayer. <laughs> and it's not my my wife thinks Brian looks like John Mayer, and uh, I, I think that's a compliment. have I told you about I've, on two separate occasions back when I was in my twenties I got stopped by people to say can I take your picture and pretend that you were John Mayer that I met John Mayer in New York City yeah twice I get I get Jared Fogel yeah something like that a lot <laughs> like they let you out I was like. <laughs> that's great all right at all the right. Glue guys on twitter um discord Des, don't, please don't cut that up, join by the, the discord and then also we're yeah. streaming on twitch we hang out there during games so so pop in but the link to that's going to be in the discord which you get to by the twitter bio or in the youtube description also check out the youtube smash subscribe follow like love you guys we're going to michigan we're going to delaware mike we're going to poughkeepsie